When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Another episode of Silverstein, the podcast. Josh is making a crazy face. You can't see him because this is an audio podcast. But if it wasn't, you'd see his crazy, crazy Josh face. How you doing today, Josh? Yeah, doing pretty good. Uh, it's sunny. I tried to mow my giant lawn on my little tractor. Couldn't get the tractor to start, but I'm wearing a bucket hat anyway. <laughs> That's the one that came with the tractor? Yes, this is a this is a lawn mowing bucket hat f- only for tractor use. Great technique there too, Josh. I know that uh, from personal experience, especially while doing my um, DJ uh, Twitch streams, that it's quite hard to wear a bucket hat with headphones over top. But you're sort of going like boonie style, where you're like flipped up all the way, and uh, it's working for you, making it work. I've never wore a bucket hat before, but can you keep stuff in the bucket? Like, can you put like a cigarette in there, or a joint, or a, a something? You know. It actually, to just continue that before you answer, Josh, I was just thinking, if you filled that with bird seed, you could probably attract a lot of birds and they could perch on the edge. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, To answer both of you, yes. (laughs) Wonderful. Wonderful. I um, understand. Well, I I understand. I know. I haven't been to your house yet, but you live up north and you got quite a bit of property. Did it come with a tractor or did you have to buy a tractor? How does that work? It came with a tractor, but I might have to buy a tractor if this one won't start. So. <laughs> I have no idea how much a tractor costs. Like that could it could be like seven hundred dollars or seventy thousand dollars. I have no idea. It's certainly somewhere between the two. Yeah. <laughs> right in the yeah. middle. We're not much of a tractor band in general. However, um, our last record was almost called Agroculture. Uh, we have to release this album cover at some point. We Maybe do. we'll put it in the show notes. In the show notes, it's good. We'll idea. put it on the we'll put it on the Discord. I think we already did. We might have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's worth a repush. Yeah, join the Discord. <laughs> we could just put this on the podcast like episode cover art. That's fine. Fine with me. The I lost like it. record agroculture. Yeah, shit farms, man. Totally farms. <laughs> totally. We should start a myth that there's a lost Silverstein record somewhere. I like it. It's a good way to create false hype for something that you just as another record. It's just yeah. like, yeah, this was the lost one. The lost tapes. We misplaced the hard drive for a good year <laughs> and forgot all the songs. 
<laughs> yeah, right. I know. It's so funny when that happens. <laughs> but it's Silverstein the podcast presented by John Deere. John Deere tractors and farming equipment. John Deere. It farms. It's good. <laughs> I think we're more of a Deer John band than a John Deere band. <laughs> oh, that rules. Well, we're back talking about more of the tunes from our brand new record, Misery Made Me, which is out now, baby. And this is one of our faves for sure. I think a song that grabbed us right away and just didn't let us go. I'm going to pass this over to our drummer, Paul Kohler, because it's his favorite song. One of our one of his favorite songs we've ever done. So tell tell the people about Don't Wait Up, Paul. Um, Don't Wait Up. It's the best song off Misery Made Me. No, it's not a single because it's so good that if we gave it out as a single, it just it, 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 you had to discover it on your own. It was part of the album process, the the listening process of, of hearing the record in, in its whole. But yeah, no, Don't Wait Up is instant classic um i think but but in 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 less dramatic honesty i think like it really blends the old and the new for us i think it um it's it's a good nod to i think what our scene was doing the first decade of you know this millennium it was very much like early 2000s vibe like kind of stuff but also with a lot of modern production and some really big hooks and I don't know. It just really feel like it feels like a good summary of like what our band is has always been trying to accomplish. Do you have a favorite part of the song? I love, <laughs> I love the bridge. Yeah, it's, I, I going to say it's the best bridge the, on the record for sure. It's the best bridge we've ever. It actually might be top five bridges in the world. Like you have oh. the one in San Francisco, <laughs> you have the, the Brooklyn Bridge, the London the Bridge, Brooklyn yeah, Bridge. The, you have the London Bridge, and then you have Don't Wait Up the Bridge. Yeah, uh, and that's basically all the bridges there. Are. Yeah, um, there's a great meme that about that. That's like it's like the best bridges in the world, and it says all those, and it says like hoping for the best is hope and nothing happens but we got to replace it with this one so yeah yeah it, it, but it feels like that era right like yeah like very much i feel like those kind of earlier emo emo pop punk type songs like had a lot of you know energy in the verse and the chorus but the bridge is where they let it all out you know that was like the big like now we're really going to be honest for a minute and and I mm-hmm. think that's what the song does well we had a fight for this bridge uh i remember this very clearly because I had similar thoughts when I heard the song. It reminded me of sort of like a throwback to maybe not the early 2000s, but maybe like 2010-ish kind of post-hardcore kind of vibes. And then the bridge really followed through with that for me. I loved, absolutely love the lyrics that you wrote, Paul Mark, and, and the screaming and the melody and everything. And then Sam was like, we got to pick one half for the bridge or the other. We can't have both. And I was going to strangle him. <laughs> <laughs> quite literally because I was like no that's you are going to like this song has two balls and you want to take one ball away you want is this song to have only one single hanging ball we need both balls you know <laughs> that, that feels like a very Tony Brummel uh, sort of analogy there <laughs> I learned everything I know from Tony Brummel <laughs> I think we should consider renaming this podcast Silverstein versus Sam Guyana, the misery made me story. Like every episode, we're like, and Sam tried to ruin our hard work. No, but Sam did want, he did suggest that. I think he did eventually come around and, and see the magic of it being the length that it is. I, I do think maybe originally we had this issue of out of that second chorus into the bridge, 
it's a bit of a rhythm and I don't actually think it's a key change, but there is like the dominant note and it changes or something. And there's like a vibe shift. And we thought there needs to be a couple of repetitions of this new uh, chord progression on its own for you to like get in the zone of it, which made yeah. that plus the screaming, plus the singing really long. Uh, but we ended up just axing the instrumental part and diving right in and it feels great. Yeah, it works because yeah, I think with the, with the bridge starting with the screaming, you didn't really need to have the instrumental. Like the screaming is enough of an instrument on its own, if that makes any sense, mm -hmm. to not have another melody in there confusing you before, you know, when the actual singing part comes in, the don't tell me it's my fault or whatever the lyrics are. That's it. Uh, I forget. Um, and that is just obviously the big payoff. So the yeah. original bridge was a, a breakdown. And I think that I maybe never got to anybody but Paul in that form. And Paul definitely said, like, I just don't think the bridge fits. And I was like, I don't think the bridge fits either. And it took a really long time. But I remember the day that I got it. I'm pretty sure I actually straight up called you on the phone, Paul, and was like, I think I got it. Like, I think I have something really good here. Speakerphone, space bar. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. I'm like, all right, talk to you later. Like, yeah, that's that's like, enough. Yeah, Done. We're good. Put it in the Dropbox. <laughs> Yeah. Shane, I know we're going to do the acapella version later, but like we, we should cue up the like, uh, you know, solo guitar version, because I remember the um, guitars in that bridge, like through the mixing process, I was just like, the rhythm guitar has got to go up. Turn it up. Turn it up. Because there's just this really rad like I don't know if it was like a Telecaster or the like P90 uh, Gibson we used in the studio. There's just like really rad single coil tone that just like carries that bridge for me and it was just like totally made the part and yeah again favorite favorite bridge on the record favorite bridge maybe of all time for Silverstein kind of rules do we have a, the early demo of this without with a different bridge or yeah not? I believe the file I sent you called don't hang up which is a kind of demo in the same state as kind of all the last few ones we've been listening to where I'm just mm -hmm. kind of feeling out what the melody is and I have placeholder lyrics that one should have the original breakdown that I made this with Lee Albrecht again, same as Live Like This. Uh, we did them in, in the, kind of the same week. Uh, and so it's his breakdown. It's a gnarly breakdown, too. Like, we should use it for something else. It's really cool, but just cool. not right for this tune. Okay, well, nobody steal it. We're going to use it eventually, okay? We're claiming it. <laughs> this is published. You can't steal it. Uh, and yes, don't mind Paul Mark's uh, scratch vocals where he's literally just humming this is, you're seeing how the sausage is made. Okay, enjoy it. Here it is. This uh, file is called Don't Hang Up Scratch. Here we go.
There it is. That bridge, that breakdown is pretty sick, actually. I like it. It's very sick. Lee is an extremely good guitar player and a very creative guy. Yeah. But you're absolutely right. It it doesn't have the magic that that other bridge has, and it it takes me out of the song for sure. Like, it's a cool part, but, uh, you know, Paul Kohler was absolutely right saying, like, oh, it doesn't really fit this or whatever. It's not as jar- jarring now, but, I mean, it definitely, like... Yeah, I feel like you're you're in a real like kind of a different emotional state and then it kind of just gets angrier than I think the song needed to go, but like just sonically, but um but yeah, it is a really cool part. I haven't heard that since. Yeah, I mean, I also like when you when you're looking thinking about the context of the record and there's songs like Ultraviolet and It's Over and Slow Motion which all have kind of breakdowny bridges. Like that, you know, that bring in like a heavy element, halftime screaming whatever it is and it's like well maybe for once it's nice to have you know a bridge that incorporates some melody and can like be heavy in the other sense of the word which is like emotionally heavy Mm -hmm. which lyrically this song definitely has um you know it's i think it's one of the most powerful moments uh lyrically as well which only helps the emotion of the the bridge and the uh, lyrics are delivered in such a gripping uh, performance. It it really really grabs me and uh, smacks me silly. Quite honestly, I, uh, I I am floored by that point, like that point in the song. Every time I hear it, it uh, as somebody that suffers from nerve damage and can often not feel his hands, I relate. <laughs> No, Josh, that's cold blood. It says nerve damage. <laughs> ah, right. I want to touch on the what you just said, Shane, and about how like, yeah, there's a lot of other songs that have a breakdown in the bridge. And I think this is also going to go some distance to kind of qualify the demos we've been playing that have these like generic nonsense, half, you know, hummed out melodies and then half just sort of like generic nonsense melodies and words in terms of like what a writing process at least for me, actually looks like. And people ask all the time, even we did a Reddit AMA, people asked about it, you know, like how, what the process looks like and how you get to writing a song and how you get to the lyrics and how you get to the the vibe and the melodies and all the ideas. And I think if you can take one thing away from like hearing all of these demos and listening to our conversations about how we do this, it's about starting somewhere and then refining that through every possible filter that you have that is important to you. So when I start a process like that, like this song, for example, like my first thoughts that I cared enough to write down or like demo or pencil in were those just like, I was like, okay, I think that's a really cool melody. I had no idea what it's going to, what the words are about, what the song's about yet, but I like this idea. Um, And then it just grows from there and grows and grows and grows until you end up with don't wait up, which is a song I like so much. And it would have never happened if I didn't just say like the first line in that chorus, the demo version, don't hang up. Like it was about like in my head, it was I was just thinking of a phone call um, and I wasn't really just I was sort of just like speaking like, I don't know, from subconscious, like it wasn't real. And then we talk about this bridge. It's like, yeah, all those other songs have breakdown bridges at the point of the sessions, you know, where we were at October, whenever I was writing this December, something like that there weren't those other songs yet. Do you know what I mean? Like it was Lee and I had worked together for two songs. The first one being live like this, the breakdown of that or the bridge of that was not a breakdown. So it was like, well, let's do one with a breakdown because we didn't have other stuff yet. And then it became clear as the body of work got, you know, more solidified. It was like, 
we don't need this as a breakdown. Like the the record is heavy. And I I think this would be, you know, obviously better for the song to not have this heavy part, but also better for the record as a whole. So I just wanted to do a little piece on on that because um, just people ask all the time. It's important to note, you know, and I, I thought it was really interesting too. like in that first verse, you didn't really sing that many words at all. Like it was a lot of just kind of humming out a melody. But you did like say at one point, like, call my name. And then like, it's funny how we kept. The, that syllable I levitate yeah. so far away I levitate call my name and it's like it almost has to be that yeah you know what I mean when you're writing because as much as you're writing the notes and the rhythm there's also the the sound of the syllables which is sometimes really important um you know because if it was like tonight tonight it doesn't have the same feeling at with the melody and everything as like name does or or levitate like there's a yeah. certain softness to that syllable which is also an important thing you know when you're writing writing songs too that i think really doesn't get talked about very much no and it should be and i should uh also say that after i the song never got lyrically any further than that there actually was no step between this demo we just played and the final product apart from the refinements we made in the studio together but yeah the, the original demo vocals like you know the one i sent everybody when it was ready um i that was daniel tremblay uh who you know has made a lot of appearances in the writing credits of our albums that was daniel tremblay and i um working on that and he was just going off that demo we just heard so i think he obviously was a bit attached to those sounds too um, and he he sort of just immediately understood that we were like wanted to work in that framework. But Daniel's a, a super genius. That's a great segue to like a question that I I had um, was about the the sort of the process of writing second verses. Um, and I know for this record, we sort of came in to the studio with like fairly complete demos for everything. But it was almost like every song was was there, but then with no second verse lyrics. And mm-hmm. I know, Paul Mark, you shared in the past that like you and Daniel have had these like like on, on Beautiful Place to Drown, on Dead Reflection, like just these nights of just like hanging out, listening to the demos and writing second verses. But specifically, I want to get into something with the second verse of this song. But maybe you can add uh, something about just the process there. Yeah, for sure. You know, I have like this. Maybe it's a quote that will, will get me mocked by all the big songwriters, but like, I think no one has ever like, no song has been broken by having a, a weaker second verse lyrically. I think it can really help a song depending on the format of it. But when I'm making demos, the last thing in my mind is like, and the second verse has got a bang. You know what I mean? It's like, I want all the components to show well, when I'm trying to show people an idea, I want it to come through. And I don't think anyone's ever turned off a demo because the second verse lyrics were just flown from the first at the time of the demo. Right. I think eventually it does matter and you want it to count. But so yeah, I'm always that's the last thing on my mind when I'm making demos. And uh and I think this time in this like I have in the past done a lot of late night writing sessions with Daniel trying to bang out a bunch of second verse ideas. And on this record because of how much more time we had and how everyone was there all the time, I think everyone got to put fingerprints all over all the lyrics to the songs on this record because there was so much available space. Exactly. And I'm actually looking at uh, I'm, I'm looking at um, Twitter.com slash Shane told right now. There's Uh-oh. a tweet, a tweet Uh-oh. here from 620 p.m. on uh, 2021, June 17th. That says, OK, fuck it is. 
Yep, and I you need made something that... to fuck me up because I can't take the truth. That was and what you, happened. You made that tweet when we were we were workshopping and we were all just sitting around and we had some beers and stuff and we're just like, "What does this second verse need?" And it's like, "I need something. I need what is that thing? I need you know." And we the were trying to know. Lyric was, "I need something to hold me up because I can't take the truth." And Shame was like, "It's weak." It's like, "Yeah, it it is weak. It could be stronger." And then. Shane was like, what's the strongest word in the world? (laughs) (laughs) I don't even remember that exactly. I just remember singing it in the booth and Sam, like, you know, being producer guy being like, we need a little more like, you know, like strength within the, when you say fuck, like you really need the and the, uh, and the, you know, and I was like, (laughs) I was like, yeah. And I'm, I'm like, I was trying to do it. Like, but I, I guess it wasn't good enough for him. And then one take, I was like, fine, man, I got this. And I was like, I need something to fuck me up. Cause I can't. And I, I don't know if that still exists somewhere, but, um, yeah. Cause I was like, no, it doesn't, the word is strong enough on its own. I don't need to like necessarily deliver it with like an over the top, you know, scream or something, you know, it's like the musical theater thing when you have to like act and sing at the same time. Like that seems like what he was asking you to do. You know, it's like, it's like to fuck. It's like, okay, I got to say it like that. Come on. It's in the, I'll just sing it normal. It's just a normal word here. Yeah, exactly. But we could talk about the word fuck all day and how our band didn't use it for like 17 years. And now we can't stop using it. We're addicted to fucking. <laughs> okay. Our, our band said- became a teenager and started swearing, you know? Like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what was the first one? Was it Ghost? Yeah. Yeah. Your fucking... Na- what is it? In the bridge. Yeah. I forget the words now. We haven't played Ghost in a while. I kind of missed that song. I kind of forgot about that song. Your fucking mouth, I think. Something yeah, about your fucking mouth. That's right. And... uh yeah, I was that was like a very angry time for me and I felt like it was a good time to bust that that first fuck out and then after that the the door was opened. The fucking door was open. <laughs> this podcast not suitable for children under the age of 17. There you go. <laughs> yes, it's NC17. Yeah. Quite literally. No, no it's not at all. So I don't know. That's uh that's what happened and now it's, you know, I think that it is a strong word though like you know, obviously it holds a lot of weight and a lot of emotion and it's like a word we use in our everyday lives. I don't know. There was a certain like, I guess, art or, 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 um, I don't know, a certain amount of like poeticness that I wanted to have in the lyrics in the early days, I think more so than, I don't know, than something a little like more casual. It was like more formal maybe with the lyrics I, th- I felt like. So I didn't want to use that word. And then, I don't know, something just happened and it was like, well, sometimes it's the right word. I think, too, it's like popped up a lot more in like pop music, too. Like, didn't like Taylor Swift swear on like on uh, the newer records with the with the national guy um, or like Olivia Rodrigo or one like it's just, there's just like F-bombs all over pop radio now. Um, and it's just become acceptable. You've so heard yeah, rap music, right? Well, of course, <laughs> of course. But like, I think just in like more something that would be more sort of like cookie cutter that you would expect to be a little bit more, I don't know, censored. Yeah. I don't think that's really the story behind how it started incorporating into our music, but like, I think you're right. I mean, I remember when CeeLo, the CeeLo Green song literally called fuck you got nominated for a Grammy 
Sure. And it was yeah. like on the awards they had to say like they changed it to forget you or whatever, but the song is is fuck you. And I was like, wow, like you can put that in a title and win a Grammy. That's definitely we're making some, you know, changes in in the accepted, you know, what's accepted, you know, on that, on that front. Mm-hmm. So that's the mistake we've made. That's why we have no Grammys. Because none of the no titles more, more have fucks. We need, Oh, yeah. We need more fucks right in the title. we got to call the song Don't Fuck Up Now. <laughs> I remember, though, when I was a kid, I was probably like 10, 11, 12 years old or something. And I wanted this CD uh, from this band, Canadian. They were like a hair metal band called Slick Toxic. They were pretty bad. And I remember the first track on the CD was called Big Fucking Deal. And my mom went to the store and looked at the CD and like, she never, like my, my mom, my parents are always cool about letting me listen to whatever really. But when she looked at it, looked at it and the first track had an F word in it. She's like, maybe I won't buy this for my 11 year old son, you know? So I don't know. I probably got a, I probably got a Guns N' Roses record, which had way worse lyrics, but just no F bombs in the titles. So, you know. Yeah, my, yeah. my mom, um, friend of the pod, Donna, uh, def- <laughs> definitely threw out, uh, threw out a, a bunch of CDs for that. Like, I specifically remember the Smashing Pumpkins, Siamese Dream, uh, having Silver Fuck on the, uh, which maybe we should have just been our band name. You know? It's not <laughs> see bad. Where see where we're going to go. yeah. With that, but yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm just looking at, looking at uh, Slick Toxic. Yep, big fucking deal. That was the song, 1991. There you go. I don't and make you're this sure shit up. Canadian. It sounds like such a German name. They're a Canadian hard rock band formed in 1988 in Toronto. I mean, Toronto is the Germany of Canada. We've always <laughs> said that. <laughs> they existed from 1988 to 1994. But I, I'm pretty sure they might have won a Juno or at least got nominated for a Juno. I remember this. Speaking but, of Junos, yeah. the Dirty Nil, I believe, won a Juno for their album Fuck Art. They so won they it? Go. Did they win it? They were nominated for sure. I don't think they won it. Uh, they won it for something else then. They, I think they won it for Master Volume. Okay. I don't know. But I don't know. They definitely yeah. have won a Juno. And they yeah. have an album called Fuck Art. So Yeah. That you could get custom with a photo of your dog. Yeah. Which is your very cool. own dog. So cool. Such a cool idea. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, Arch Spire, great metal band from uh, Western Canada, won Best Metal Records, one of my favorite metal records in a long time. So I was really proud of them. Uh, Dirty Nil got nominated for Fuck Art, but didn't win. The Beaches won Rock Album of the Year, which is uh, uh, really, really nice of nice for them. And um, yeah, Arch Spire won that. Who won? Who won the um, Alternative Record? Arkells has to be. Arkells, I think won one like group of the year or something they won a uh, lifetime achievement award even though they're not even like, they're like the arkells won the arkells award yeah. yeah they've just they've named an award after them i love it yes the beaches won rock album of the year with their album sisters not twins the professional lovers album that's Good the name mind. of it that's i the love name. the name that makes no sense to me i really like it arkells won the gray cup <laughs> They won Hamilton. They have. They just Hamilton's theirs now. <laughs> Honestly, probably for the best. All right. Well, um, probably probably for the best. This does. This is just me, or did this Twitch stream? Did this? I mean, did this podcast just turn into a Twitch stream? Like, yeah. where we're like googling things and like fucking around and like just totally off the rails. Like, what song are we talking about again? Like, I don't even remember. Shane, we're talking about the word fuck tonight on the Silverstein podcast. We are. We are talking about the word fuck. But, it, you know, hey, it's, uh, it is something that I think 
our fans were like definitely a little bit shook. They're like, what? I didn't know the band could say that. And uh, we could. Yeah. I mean, have they ever seen us live? Because my man's is up there dropping all the f bombs <laughs> into that microphone. Depends how much beer I have first, but yeah, it happens. Do you guys get the vibe? This bridge, just to go back to this bridge for one second, because I do really like it. Does it call to mind a perfected version of the bridge from Mirrorbox? Yes, I was going to say it myself. Yes. Oh, it's the same like emotional lift i feel like this song is like a mirror box in general not not figuratively but the it's like that song right it's in the same it's in in the same class why can't i forgive you that one right yeah yeah and in this moment i need the past yeah 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 it's it's definitely a similar um vibe for sure um, I like that bridge a lot too. Actually, it calls to mind that, like you said, Shane, that like mid two thousands sort of like uh, defeater, touche amore, la dispute kind of um, uh, emo screamo revival um, kind of style of hardcore. So yeah, yeah that's definitely they, they both touch on that. I agree. Uh, how are you feeling about an acapella? You guys like that? I feel pretty um, good. Let's do it. Acapella of "Don't Wait Up." Here we go. Do you think there's an acapella group called the Acapellas? Gotta be. If not, start one. With you guys? There's five of us. Sure. Another day with no line Feeling alone in a double life So far away I levitate Somewhere between the shadow and the darkest place And I start to slip away Don't wait up now Heavy heart, my head's like ten feet up now So high above the ground Don't wait up now Cause I'm halfway to the clouds While everything inside of me is crashing down I covered up my tracks so long ago Like cracking ice hidden under snow If I lie to you, could I believe it too? I need something to fuck me up cause I can't take the truth So I run and split in two Just catch me when I fall back to earth Cause my world gets so blurry And it's too hard to stay here Fracture and disappear 
also the band's first fade out, I believe. Oh, yes. <laughs> I think it is. I think it's our first fade out, which is psycho. Ten albums and we didn't do it once. That's crazy. I remember that was a, that was a bit of a debate in the in the studio. But I think after we debated, I never thought about it again. The song just feels natural going away. Yeah. I feel like that's another one of those really old rules of ours where it's just like, uh, I, I think we must learned early on. It's a, it's a, a cop out, like just write a good ending. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, I don't know. I think it, it suits the song and it, it came out perfectly. That's like such an easy one to do an ending on. It's not like we didn't have an option. It's like it just could have just been crashing down and just like ring out or vocals by itself crashing down and then it ends. Like there's a million ideas. Just this seemed to have the right vibe. You I know, mean, for lyrically the song. it applies because this song is about like dissociation, right? Like this sort of like you're like <laughs> spirit and mind splitting and like sort of seeing yourself in the third person. Um, I don't know if you guys or any of the listeners have that happen sometimes, but sometimes I just notice like I'm not like my brain and my body feel a bit detached and like, I'm not really where I am. Um, and a fade out feels like a good representation of like, hmm. uh, that type of consciousness where it's like reality is kind of fading out a little bit. And like, I'm, I don't know, entering this new space that is not really one that I want to be in, but I don't know. I don't really have the end of that thought, but <laughs> you, you're fading out. There you go. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts about uh, songwriting and songs uh, over the last little bit. And like, is that text painting where it's like, don't wait up? Like, it's like you're not waiting for the song to end. It just you you sort of lose track of it. I mean, you were the only guy I know who talks about text painting that much. So you, you're the <laughs> expert, buddy. I, you have to tell me. Yeah, I, I feel though it, this goes back to even some of the stuff we talked about on the podcast is the sequencing, right? Because it fades out of Don't Wait Up and fades into Bankrupt. And I think that was also something that made us feel really comfortable in the flow of things to have those two songs out and in that way, I think. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It fades into that sort of like, no, 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 bankrupt. Like really good. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, it does done. work. Yeah, well, could we get that again, Bill? No, 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 Are you starting Josh's tractor there for a minute, trying to get it going? Strong bad? Is it like strong bad? You know, you know, I do a good strong bad. You know, I do a good strong bad. Do it for the folks, Bill. I can't believe we didn't do on the bankrupt episode. We didn't do an acapella version of all of Josh's bankrupt bank bankrupts like yeah bankrupt bankrupt it did sound a little scooby doo didn't it yeah i was actually thinking more uh more uh yeah home improvement but scooby doo it sounds well listening to the acapella comparing it to the last episode we did with slow motion this is way more harmonies i can't believe how many harmonies that entire verse is like nothing but harmonies like every single line it's kind of nuts for sure it's a lot true harmonista (laughs) Hmm. it's it's so interesting i I find it such a interesting juxtaposition when you have just such sad lyrical content but sung uh so beautifully and with all those really pretty harmonies it uh yeah it just uh it's devastating (laughs) Yeah, it's true. It, it is. It is kind of interesting, but you know, it's always 
once you put this is like part of why we listen to the acapella versions is because you don't hear all that stuff when you know you have the rest of the music on top it ends up being like a certain texture but you don't really hear it and that's like what it is so when yeah when you hear it this way it does kind of seem a little i don't want to say ridiculous but like definitely pretty psycho so that's nice yeah i think a lot of that stuff that that hidden magic is is probably like why I like the song so much. I think why a lot of fans like it too. There's just a lot of stuff you can't really put your finger on, but it's there. It's happening, and and all that extra little work goes goes a long way to make a, a song really special. Completely agree. That guitar part is absolutely insane. <laughs> it's so hard to play. What is even happening? I don't know what it is. What is even happening there? It sounds incredible, but what is even happening? Somehow. In my opinion, it's harder than it sounds. Like sometimes you hear a part like that and you're like, oh, it's actually pretty easy. To me, that one like sounds difficult and it's like even more difficult than that to play for whatever reason. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Better, better start practicing, <laughs> oh, dude. I, I hope you're practicing. If we're, we can't, don't make, we can't do this and bad habits in the same show. Don't make me have to play that bad habit solo by our friend Intervals, and then also that riff. Just give me a break. Come on, come on. Don't make me. What tuning is this song in? I don't even know. It's a good question. Uh, I don't know either. I'd have to go back and try and learn it. You know, we were so <laughs> we were so fluid with the tunings and the way we were doing everything. And like, I, I mean, I just I'm not a tuning purist. It's just if I need to tune a string to make a part happen, I'll do it and I'll just learn how to play it later. I do it all the time. And we yeah, had like we had like three or four of your like your same guitars just in different tunings, too. So it was just like, oh, it's this one. Grab that one, you know, like. But then even be that's true to start. And then beyond that, if there's like this lead I'm hearing that requires an open string to drone, I'll just be like, fuck it. Just tune that one string. I don't care. Like what if I need to figure this out later, I will. I mean, what are the how, what percentage of songs do we actually play live when you think about it? Is it like 15 percent? That well, it's going to be less and less as the records go. Right? Yeah. So just the way it is. Yeah, I think the odds are in my favor to want to just get the the notes I want in whatever way is the most economical to play in the studio. And if the time comes that we have to do it live, we've always found a way. So that's my take on that. So I don't ask about tuning the songs again. I actually do not know. There's been, there's been plenty of times though, like especially work when like if I've been doing like acoustic guitar parts where like there'll be a big open chord and like one of them will be like, well, it's really hard to switch like from this to this. It's like, well, I'll just punch in that chord and literally tune that the string so I don't have to do anything except strum it and no one's the any the wiser and like all I'm going to I'm going to do is if I ever have to play that song acoustic at like a show instead of playing some crazy open D minor 7 add 9 chord I'm just playing D minor you know what I mean and no one knows it doesn't matter so use a less pretty voicing and it's all going to work out fine yeah exactly exactly so there you go. You see, we don't fuck around. We don't mess around. We give you the truth. And if you hate our band or you like us less because uh, of it, well, that's on you, not us. We're just telling you the truth. Well, you need something to fuck you up because you can't take the truth. That's yeah. right. Exactly. <laughs> we exactly. As is now Silverstein, the podcast tradition. 
it's at least the second time we've done this. Josh, um, we require your final thought. It's a lot of pressure, you guys. It's a lot of pressure, uh, especially on a track like this. My favorite song, Paul's favorite song, probably everyone in the world's favorite song. They just haven't heard it yet. It's uh, it's a beaut. Um, the, again, it, it is incredible to be in a band and still have it sound as though a lot of the songs are being sung to me, about me. I can't feel my hands. I'm afraid of heights, but I could spend forever on that bridge, you know? It's an incredible song. That disassociation feeling of just going out of your body, I think we can all relate to from time to time. And uh, yeah, it's uh, a beautiful, beautiful song with some of the most devastating lyrical content. And that makes it really special. So... Put the record on, hold your loved ones tight, get fucked up. Hey, <laughs> okay, I like that. I like that. There it is. Josh with the final thought on Don't Wait Up. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in once again to Silverstein, the podcast. I know I say this just about every time, but it's important. Be sure to subscribe, follow, whatever you're listening on. Hit that button. Uh, mash that button. Let us know again if you got any questions or things you want to add. Uh, we got a few more episodes of this left of season one. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, thank you guys for listening to this. And we will see you real soon. Remember, we're going on tour. We'll be around. So come see us. Uh, tickets available at silversteinmusic.com. And if you have any friends who love the word fuck or perhaps uh, discussing tumultuous relationships with one's producer, hit that share button. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please share this. Tell your Tell a friend. Tell a loved one, we're coming at you week after week with Silverstein, the podcast.